Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie, a mom to a Mito fighter. On our podcast, Energy in Action, we talk all things Mito, and I'm glad you're here to learn and to be part of our community. Hey everyone, welcome to our episode of Energy in Action. I'm Stephanie, your host, and I am here today with Jackie. She is the sibling to TJ, who is a MELAS patient. And again, I don't want to tell their whole story, so I'm just going to stop there and introduce you to Jackie and let her tell you a little bit more about herself and her family's journey with with MELAS. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be able to tell our family's story. Oh, we are so excited to have you. Um, you guys, your family has just been such a great supporter for Mito Action. And it's um, your story is definitely one that I think people will really resonate with. So why don't you just go ahead and just tell me a little bit about growing up and what your family situation was like, and then kind of how it all got turned upside down. Sure. So I come from a family of five. There's five siblings. We have um, three older siblings who are actually half siblings from a previous marriage. And then myself and my brother, TJ, grew up together with with the same parents. So we are actually seven years apart. And so when TJ was born, you know, I think it was a good age difference. We really, really got along so well. TJ had some issues kind of right off the bat when he was born. He had some failure to thrive issues. They were possibly going to diagnose him with celiac disease, but he kind of overcome those and led really a normal childhood until he was about, I think, maybe middle school, eighth grade-ish. When they do those hearing tests that you have in school where they make you wear the headphones, you know, let me know when you hear the beep type of thing. His results came back not so great. So they had us take him to a specialist where we found out he actually had 40% hearing loss. And it was something that he was born with. And obviously he didn't know because you don't know what you don't know. It's not like all of a sudden he couldn't hear. Right. It was just what he was used to. Wow. That's a significant, yeah. Absolutely. And so they fitted him for hearing aids. He wears hearing aids. um, And so those help him, you know, hugely. And then, you know, from there, he, he graduated high school. We live in Massachusetts and him and my parents decided to move to Florida. TJ was attending uh, St. Leo University and he attended for four years, received his, his bachelor's degree, um, actually flew out to Florida for his graduation. And just about two weeks later after his graduation is when I got the phone call from my dad that TJ, you know, something was wrong, basically, and they were rushing him to the hospital. And we didn't know what was going on. So, you know, I, I actually flew out to Florida the next day, because, you know, how can you not be there when your, you know, healthy 22 year old brother is rushed to the hospital. So we spent about a week in the hospital, he had two major strokes. So it was really crazy going from seeing him, you know, graduate college with a, with a bachelor's degree. He was working during the summers, driving to not being able to recite the ABCs or the days of the week and really just how much he lost from those strokes and not having any clue what happened. And, you know, it was just constant stream of, of doctors when we were in the hospital trying to figure out what happened. I still have my, in my notes app, I have tons of notes on, you know, things that they were telling us in terms of, you know, Lyme disease and autoimmune disease. Um, and I was actually looking at them yesterday. And one of the things that I had wrote down was, could be a, t- a very rare type of mitochondrial disease, but that is very, very rare. 
And I just had one little note in there about it. And then I have all these other notes around other things that it could have been and we were researching. So it just was something that they brought up, but we just, it was so rare. It was something that they were like, it's its just a really rare chance that this could be it. And he, he was released from the hospital, but we still really didn't have have answers. And I want to say about a half week or a week or so after that is when they really kind of diagnosed him with the mitochondrial disease, um, specifically MILOS, which don't ask me what that stands for because it's just a bunch of very long words that I don't know. <laughs> no, I think everybody here knows what MILOS stands for. But yeah, that's, wow, that's a quick diagnosis. <laughs> well, it, it was really quick, actually. You know, at the time when we were in the hospital for a week, it didn't feel fast. It felt like, oh my God, like how can they not know what's going on? You know, he's a healthy kid and all of a sudden, you know, he has two strokes. Like that's just not normal or anything that that happens. Right. Um, so it was it was very, very tough. And it was very tough to have this diagnosis and trying to learn new things about it and you know, just trying to figure out a way forward and and there's no cure and it's a progressive disease. And I think, you know, that first month or so just kind of researching doctor's appointments, it was a very, very scary time for sure for everyone. And did you stay in Florida during all of this or were you back home? I did. I stayed for about two and a half weeks and then I did have to come home. My other two sisters actually flew in as well for a little bit just to just to be there. But, you know, it, it was very hard in the hospital. I mean, my mom and, and I and my parents, we were just taking turns. We never left him alone. So we were taking turns, you know, staying with him, sleeping there. And And I will say while we were in the hospital, it's funny because I look back at that time, I don't think my family and I, we would have got gotten through that time without TJ. He was our comedic relief. He was, you know, being poked and prodded and, you know, every hour or two, someone was coming in to take blood or do this or do that. And he was just in, you know, high spirits. He had us laughing. I mean, he is my absolute hero for sure. And he got us through that time like I, I don't think I would have without him, which is, you know, crazy that he's the one going through it and he helped us out the most. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing that he was still able to have that awareness about him, even though, like you said, the stroke took away the ability to know the simple rote things that we know, like alphabets and days of the week. But yet he still had a sense of humor and sort of wanted to be, like you said, just how he always was. So, wow. Exactly. So how many years ago was this? Um, so this was it was actually five years ago last month in May. It feels like just yesterday. But also, it's, it feels like it was so long ago, too. And it, it's it's really hard. I mean, he like I said, he went from being such a normal kid to just kind of almost a completely different person after the strokes. And that was a really hard transition, too, for everyone as well. So, you know, just moving forward, the plan was really just to manage his symptoms as best as possible, which is a really hard pill to swallow. Like there's nothing that we can, no treatments we can start, not even tri clinical trials or anything along those lines. So, you know, that's that's something that was really tough to kind of digest at the time as well is, okay, what are we going to do from here besides managing the symptoms? 
Right. And sometimes managing the symptoms is like playing whack-a-mole. Of course. You know, you'd get one, you get one simmer down and then something else pops up and you're just like on this constant surveillance of where are we today on what's on what's happening. Absolutely. How has this affected your relationship with your brother, being that you're the older sibling? And I'm the youngest sibling, so I'm always fascinated by you older siblings. So, and I'm the youngest of seven. So I'm kind of in the same, a little bit kind of the same world as you. So how, how does this affect things with, with you and him and how you guys are able to communicate and what sort of things do you guys do together now? I think it was definitely a, a learning process for myself and, and for everyone. You know, I think even having a conversation with him now is very different than it was before he had the strokes and was diagnosed. You know, now when we have a conversation with him, I might ask him, you know, hey, TJ, is the sky blue? And before he would quickly answer, yeah, yes. Now he really has to think about what he's going to say before he says it and really has to search for the words. So I might ask him a question and he might not respond for 15, 20 seconds while he thinks about it. And that can be uncomfortable. And, you know, you're, you're sitting there like, oh my God, just answer. <laughs> and you have to really think sometimes when you're having a conversation with him, like, okay, he, he needs to think about it. He he de- maybe doesn't know that the sky is blue or really has to has to think about what he's going to say before he says it. So just that in itself, it, you know, changed our relationship for, for sure. He still has the same interest that he did before. He's really into to sports and watching. We live in Boston, so Boston sports, he really loves that. So we can still connect on a lot of things that we connected before, but there are a lot of limitations to, to what he can and, and can't do as well. Um, so you always have to take those into consideration as as well. Like there's just some things that we can't do that maybe we could have done. Even just him working, him driving, um, he can't do those things anymore. So, so that's that's really difficult. And that's, he really struggles with that, I know for sure too. And so does the family. I mean, it's hard to explain to him why he can't drive. He doesn't understand or why he can't work or do normal things that maybe I do. He does, he loves coming here to visit. We always try to plan fun things to do, you know, but it's definitely not the same that it was, you know, before he had a stroke. That makes sense. He really had a change in his level of independence by this. When you say he's no longer able to work and drive, so he's no longer living independently as well. He's with your parents. Absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned, he was in school Uh, Before he had the strokes, he was living at school, um, so completely living independently. He had his license, could drive, he worked summer jobs, and now all of that is gone. But he still remembers, you know, hey, I used to be able to drive, I used to work, Mm -hmm. why can't I work? Wow. Um, And that's that's very tough. Yeah, that is very tough because, like you said, he has that cognizance that that was an ability and now... Every day, it's a question of why aren't I doing that again? That is, t- that's a tough place to be in. How are your parents doing with all of this? They're super strong. I think that their kind of outlook on what they wanted to do with their life has completely done a 180. You know, they were moving down to Florida to retire and to travel and to do those things when you're that you're you're an empty nester and you can do when you have all your kids out of the house and you know, kind of in the blink of an eye, that all changed. And now they have a son who 
they can't leave for more than a couple hours at a time. So that's, that's really difficult. And not only that, but you know, the, the mood swings, the medication that he's on, the, the attitude changes, you know, just almost a different personality sometimes when you're living with someone and you're with them 24 seven, that can be really tough too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, they're, they're so strong. I admire them so much. I can't imagine having a daughter myself being in that situation and have something happen to your, to your child, you know, and have them be in a hospital and be diagnosed with a disease, let alone a very, very rare disease. So, you know, they stay strong through it all. They really, really do. But just their life and their what they wanted their future to be has drastically, you know, changed with having to now be a caregiver 24-7 to their child who's 28 years old. Yeah. Wow. So with Milas, that's um, genetically confirmed. Is anyone else in your family a carrier or have any symptoms or is, is TJ kind of the, the one and only so far? Yeah, so he is the one and only. So after, you know, he was out of the, the hospital, they did a lot of testing on him. And then actually, my mom and myself were genetically tested as well. And my mom is actually not a carrier. So it originated in TJ, which is even more rare which is just when you think about the whole picture, it's just, you know, a one in a million type of thing. It's crazy that he even has this disease, let alone that it started within him. Yeah. So my mom and myself, we, we, we both were genetically tested, you know, shortly thereafter. TJ was tested, you know, the, the doctors asked us to as well, just to figure out like, where did this, where did this come from? And yeah, like I said, my, myself and my mom were, were not carriers. And that was something that I wanted to find out for myself too in starting a family, if this is something that that I could pass down to to my child or children. So yeah, it, it makes a situation that was rare to begin with even more rare, which is, it, it's just crazy when you really think about it. Yeah, I think that puts you guys into the ultra rare category, which, you know, again, a club nobody wants to be in. Wow. That, that is, um, that's very fascinating that it originated with him and that it, showed up so much later in life than it typically would. Very interesting. And, Absolutely. And I just want to let our listeners know that when we ask and talk about genetic testing, it's not that we're looking to point fingers or blame, but it truly is more from a research perspective and a planning perspective. Like Jackie just said, you know, moving forward, you know, am I a carrier? Could I pass this on? What are the chances of, of you know, having this linger throughout our family tree? And now that we have these capabilities to do this testing and to figure out, you know, what's available and how you can, that can impact your decision-making moving forward is, I mean, the more you know, right, that's the slogan. And I just, I really commend you for, for doing that because that's, that's terrifying to have somebody kind of crack open your code and, and tell you, and nobody can say with, with a hundred percent certainty either, Right. These are your potentials. And then you have to sit there and wonder, is the shoe going to drop or am I just going to move forward? And so I, I really commend you. That's that's a brave thing you did. And, and just being a sister, you know, along with that. Wow. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about how you guys support TJ. You talk about how your parents have really been strong and the name of your your support team. And you said you guys had shirts made that said TJ Strong. I love that. So what, what does TJ Strong mean for your, like, what is the team and like, what kind of things are you guys up to? Yeah, absolutely. So when we were in the hospital, my mom actually, with TJ, my mom actually went and had TJ Strong t-shirts made and 
we wore them in the hospital that first week. So it really originated there. Like, yeah, what can we do? What are we going to support? We're making the t-shirts. We all wore them. And then from there, you know, I think we did a lot of research into to the disease and how can we help? What can we do? You know, not only supporting TJ in his personal life, but the community, the how can we help find a cure, you know, and, and help this community. So we came across Mito Action. I did a lot of reach out that, that first summer and we joined their um, energy walk in Boston that September, um, just about five years ago. And I've gone ever since that they've, they've had it minus COVID. And we do a lot of, of fundraising and getting involved really in any events that we can in the area, you know, or any virtual events and fundraising. Um, I'm running the Falmouth Road Race this August. This will be my third year. So tell our listeners what that is and how can they find out more information? Because I love the road race. <laughs> sure. So the Falmouth Road Race is is awesome. It's a really, really fun race. This will be my third year running it actually for Team Mito Action. So it's held for anyone outside of Boston. It's held down the Cape on Cape Cod and in Falmouth, which is such a beautiful um, seaside town. It's actually this year will be the 50th year of it. And it draws a huge, huge crowd. I think there's about 13,000 runners and Olympians run it. There's elite runners, there's a wheelchair division, and then there's a lot of charity runners. Um, so they have a great charity program. There's a ton of charity teams that run it and Mito Action is one of them. So we raise um, funds for for Mito Action. And there's four of us running this year, um, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, and myself. So we're, we're really excited on Team TJ Strong. So we're currently fundraising. And yeah, it's a great, great race. It's, you know, it goes around a lighthouse. Um, we run right alongside the ocean. It ends right next to the ocean. So it's very, very scenic. Um, there's a awesome, awesome spectator audience that that comes and really helps the runners. So it's just a great race. It's a great weekend down the Cape. It's really, really fun. So if anyone wants to check that out, the Falmouth Road Race website, and then we do have a fundraising link for TJ Strong team as well. Excellent. Um, so we're, we're actively... Yeah, fundraising for that. So is this a full-on marathon, like the 26 point whatever miles? No. Or Ks or whatever. Okay. Because <laughs> I was feeling exhausted for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is um, seven miles. But it's actually, um, if you look into kind of the history of it, kind of a typical Boston thing, it's the point from one bar, bar door to another in Falmouth. So that's how it kind of came about. Like I said, this is the 50th year of it. So it's a big deal. Last year, one of the Olympians that was in the marathon actually ran it. Um, she was the last person to start the race. And for every person she passed in it, they donated a dollar. Um, so it was really, really cool. Yeah, they 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 really are. It's a really charitable race. It's it's awesome. But it is a random amount of miles. It's like seven miles. But that's more than enough for me. I said, that's doable. Yeah, I like that. And from door to door to a bar. I, mean, I know in Wisconsin, they do snowmobile races where they do that from bar to bar. But that's Wisconsin. I never thought about it in Boston. So that's amazing. <laughs> yep. and, and when is the race this year? Yep. So the the actual race is August 21st. Um, so it's a Sunday. Yeah. So um, we've, we've locked out the 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 past few years with weather. It's been really nice because it can get really you know, hot down the Cape. 
but yeah, so fingers crossed this year we'll get we'll get a good one a good weather day but yeah august 21st i think running alongside the ocean any day is probably a good day so wow oh my gosh i'm so excited for you guys okay so we've got the road race check you also are doing your own personal fundraising coming up in July. And I, I'm not going to say the second part of it because I love it so much, but I'm going to let you say it. So let's talk about the first thing that you're doing at your local gym. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a member of a gym. It's a national chain, Orange Theory. And my local Orange Theory is in Marlboro, Massachusetts. So they're great. They love to get involved in the community as well. And they actually held a charity class back in um, late March for someone who was running the Boston Marathon. So I had reached out to them and said, hey, you know, I'm running this race for this great cause. What can we do? And they were so excited to help. How can we help? What can we do? So we're holding a 90-minute charity class. It will be on Saturday, July 16th. The class is at 1045 a.m. at the, the local Orange Theory in, in Marlboro, Massachusetts. And it's free to come whether you're a member or a non-member. You can call, you can get signed up and just come. It's going to be so fun. It's a non-competitive type of class. You don't have to you know, run marathons or, or be crazy into fitness to do it. It can be your first time working out ever. Um, you go at your own pace. That's what I love about it. And, you know, we really just want people to come have fun. We'll be set up there with some mito action, you know, awareness posters, different things like that. You can donate if you want, but really they're just to, you know, really raise, raise awareness. So I'm really, really excited about it. I think it's going to be super fun. And then we'll obviously, you know, have to get some drinks afterwards to, to celebrate surviving the 90 minute class. <laughs> and you guys, Jackie has this great name for this drinks afterwards. She's calling it the no shower happy hour. And I think that should just be like every Saturday morning. I love no shower happy hour. So after they're done working out, they're heading over to the local brewery and kicking back and celebrating a job well done. And I love that you are raising awareness about an energy disorder by using energy. I think that's amazing. So many people think that if you're diagnosed with mitochondrial disease and that you have an energy disorder, that that means you need to stop moving. And we know now that, yes, energy conservation is important for our patients, but rest begets rest. And so if we can keep people moving and having some level of activity, which is a normal thing to be doing in your life, and I cringe when I say normal because normal is so subjective, it's so important, even even if our if our patients just walk a block, I always say, you know, just walk a block. That's better than just being on the couch. So I just, I love that you are so active by being active. That's, that's a great testament to um, your family and to your brother. Now you're doing everything up in, in mass and TJ's down in Florida. So do you guys just FaceTime and say, Hey, this is what we're doing. Is he like chime in, make a little speech? Does he participate in any way? Yep. So, um, yeah, he knows all these things that we're doing. And, you know, just being active really actually comes from him. He goes to the gym every day. Oh, wow. He, he runs and slash walks four miles almost every day, which he does. One of his symptoms of meal loss is he does have diabetes. Mm -hmm. So it does really actually help. Um, you know, with, with the diabetes. And on the weekends, he, he does bike rides. 
which is, you know, kind of his way of getting some some independence as well, which is really great. So I wanted to kind of follow in his footsteps and how can we do something active? And so, yeah, he's aware of all these events that go on. He cheers us on. For the Falmouth Road Race, there's actually an app where you can track runners. So they'll, they'll track us and, and cheer along as we go. And for Mito Action, actually, um, he, him and my parents flew in last, last year, last October, for the energy walk that they had at um, a local zoo here in Boston. So TJ actually flew in. It was great. It was his first time at one of the events, and he won the Most Spirited Award. So he got to go up in front of everyone and accept the award. And I know it was just the highlight of, of his, his year. He has the, the um, certificate that they gave him framed right at, um, in his bedroom. It, it really was such a highlight for, for him and for all of us too. So they try to join as, as much as they can. Wow, that is great. I love that he got to come and be uh, at celebrity status because that's really what it's about is to, yep. it's, it, you know, it's one thing to raise funds and to get out there and be you know, supportive, but to see and actually know where your support is going just fuels everybody to get it together for the next year. So that's awesome. I'm glad he was able to come. And the Zoo Walk, I didn't get to attend last year, but I heard it was pretty amazing. So I hope this year I get to go see the zoo. So uh, yes, you absolutely should. I hope they have it there every year. It was it was great. Well, I know they were really accommodating with us. So I, I'm sure I'm sure Jeannie and Kyra are working behind the scenes. They have magical wands where they can uh, find ways to 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 host our events. So that's that's amazing. Well, I am so thankful you came on our podcast today. And before we go, I like to play a game called Rapid Fire. I just like to ask some fun questions so our listeners kind of get an idea of more about Jackie. So being that you're in Massachusetts, I have to ask, are you a Dunkin' girl or a Starbucks girl? I go to Dunkin' every morning. <laughs> TJ, it's funny, from for Christmas this year, TJ actually got me a Dunkin' Donuts t-shirt. So I do wear that. <laughs> I feel I can say this to you because you're doing a, a race that's from brewery to brewery or bar to bar. There's this, what do you call these people? Instagram influencers or, or social media influencers. And she does what's called drunken Duncan. And she gives people tips on how to spice up their, their coffees or their fruity drinks. And it's hysterical. And Dunkin Donuts is like 100% behind her on that. So I will be following her. Yeah, if you get bored, look it up because some of her recipes, I'm like, hmm, I wish we had Dunkin' Donuts here. In Minnesota, it's Caribou <laughs> or Starbucks. So, you know, we're we're not quite there yet with all the cool kids. So what's your favorite meal that you just can't say no to? Oh, I would say chicken parm. I love chicken parm. My dad makes an amazing chicken parm. Anytime I go to visit, ask him to make it. Really? What do you think his secret is? Oh, that, you know, he, he loves me so much. So he, you know, puts that love into it for me, I think. <laughs> he sprinkles extra love. I love that. Exactly. What's your favorite season? Oh, definitely summer. I'm a beach girl. Absolutely. Same. <laughs> okay. Last one. If somebody said quickly, what's your f- most favorite childhood memory? I would probably say vacations with my family. We used to go to the Cape. I have a huge family and my mom's one of nine. So we used to go to to rent out cottages all together down the Cape and spend a week together and just spend time on the beach, getting ice cream. You know, it, it was just a blast. And those are always my favorite memories. And now we do that. Now we're actually going to the Cape this summer, too, with my parents and my brother and my daughter. So I hope to create those memories for her, too, because they're my favorite. That sounds wonderful. And to be with all your cousins and have just a big cousin Palooza, how fun would that be to spend your summers just 
doing that. That sounds so idyllic. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, I hope you keep us updated on everything. I know we'll be chatting back and forth with all of your great things happening in the next two months. Again, thank you so much for being on the Energy in Action podcast. It was great to hear your story. And I just think TJ is so lucky that he has such a family that just it's it's hard. I'm a mito mom. So, you know, your life gets turned upside down and somehow you pick up the pieces and you keep, as you said, you find a way forward. And that's really the only way to go. So thank you for for doing that and letting people know that, you know what, we we can do this. And thank you um, for having me. Thank you to to Mito Action too. I mean, this community and, and Mito Action have been so supportive of me and my family. So it's really heartwarming and yeah, TJ Strong. TJ Strong. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Energy in Action. Remember to give us a five-star rating on your listening app. This helps to boost us up the charts and makes it easier for others to find us. You can find all of the links and details that we share today in the show notes or at mitoaction.org. Have a great day and we look forward to having you join us next time.